Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, I just got back from our most well-attended college event ever. It was at Purdue University on February 1st. And we had 1,100 people there. In fact, there were so many people there, they had to turn some away. And the reason there were so many people there is because Corey Miller, who is the president of Ratio Christi, lives in that area. And uh, he helped organize the event and did a wonderful job promoting it. You can see the entire event on our YouTube channel. Let me tell you a couple of unique things about this event and and what you can do as a result of an event like this in apologetics. First of all, uh, what Corey and his team did is they planned this event for several months. In fact, they do an event like this every year at Purdue. For those of you that don't know, Purdue is a very engineering-oriented school. Uh, a lot of engineers come out of Purdue. They have a significant portion of their of their student body come from outside the country to actually go there for engineering. In any event, uh, Corey recruited about seven professors to get up prior to the uh, my portion of the event right in the very beginning and give a very short 30-second, 60-minute sort of testimony as to why they were Christians. And I thought this was very powerful for the students because students, first of all, if they're Christians, can obviously get discouraged on a college campus because they think all the professors are against them, and many times they are, at least most of them, and most of the students are against them as well. So it's very motivating for them to see to see their, their professors get up there and publicly say that they follow Jesus. So I thought that was very powerful. And uh, Corey himself uh, spent a few minutes uh, speaking of how he became a Christian. And then we went into, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Now, I, I didn't have the normal two hours uh, due to the fact that um, they had a little bit of uh, they took a little bit of time in the beginning, and we had a hard stop at 9 p.m. I wanted to make sure we got questions in. So I didn't even do the all four points of I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I only went through does truth exist and does God exist, and then took about, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes of questions. And we had a, a question or two from an atheist. You can, again, see all this on our YouTube channel. But after the event was over, uh, we saw that, 167 people took the survey. We put a QR code up on the screen, and uh, this survey was designed by Corey and the folks at Ratio Christi, and they asked a number of questions. So 167 people took the survey, which means about 900 or so did not, more than 900 did not, but out of the 167, we were fairly surprised to learn that about 10 of these folks actually became Christians. They accepted Jesus at this I don't have enough faith to be an atheist campus event. And I, of course, talked about the gospel in the section on does God exist, but there was no invitation. Uh, we went right into questions. 
And yet we had 10 people actually become Christians, according to the survey from that event. So for those of you that do support what we do, and many of you do, and thank you because at the end of the year, you guys really stepped up and helped us establish our budget for 2024, which includes the Kingdom AI project. We're taking our best stuff and the best stuff of other apologists and putting it over the next several years into the top 30 languages around the world using uh, an AI translation program, and we're going to need your help to do that. So thank you for doing that. And your your donations also go to events like this because we don't charge students a dime for these events. And we have several other college events that I'll tell you about in the ensuing weeks as we get closer to them this semester. Now, some of you want to use your apologetic knowledge to reach people or more people than just the folks you know. In other words, you want to do this in a more structured and professional way. We have a couple of opportunities if that's you. Number one, you ought to be enrolled in CIA this year. It's going to be where I live in Charlotte, North Carolina this year. We used to have it in Charlotte all the time, but we spread it around the country. Now we're bringing it back to Charlotte. It's August 1st to 3rd, I think it is. Uh, the application process just opened about a month ago. Go to crossexamine.org, click on events uh, you will see it there you need to apply if you want to be a part of it we only take about 60 people this is an intense three-day program where you are going to learn from some of the top apologists out there including people like greg kokel and richard howe and elisa childers and natasha crane and others uh, just go to crossexamine.org and click on it there i also want you to consider this though ratio christi is the group on campus that is bringing apologetics to students. That's really their goal. Ratio Christi means reason for Christ. And I know some of you want to take what you know about apologetics, as I say, and reach more people. This is a golden opportunity for you to do it. If you go to the Ratio Christi website, and Ratio Christi is just ratio, and then Christi, C-H-R-I-S-T-I. -I. I think it's ratiochristi.org or .com, whatever it is. You'll find it if you Google it. And uh, up in the right-hand corner of the website, click on join. I think that's the word. In fact, I'll look it up right now just to be sure. Uh, if you go there, you can actually become a part of the team, either in a volunteer way or you can actually... Go there and raise your own support to be a campus minister, somebody who is on campus helping young people know the truth of Christianity. It's ratiochristi.org. Click on join and follow the cues. You can do it, as I say, in a volunteer way where, you know, you, you still have your own tent making job. Or if you want to eventually transition into becoming a full-time campus minister, this is the place to do it. And of course, you can take several years to transition. You can raise support as you're doing your tent making job. And then one day you can be a person who's leading young people to the truth of Christianity and rescuing people in a very dark environment, the college campus, to the truth. You can rescue them to the truth. So you really want to consider doing this. And I had Corey on the program a few months ago. Corey is a fourth generation or was a fourth generation Mormon. Of course, he's not anymore as the leader of Ratio Christi. And I'm going to have him on again in the future because he has a new book coming out. And think about this, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to affect the culture, you need to affect the university. As Lincoln said, of course, uh, many, many years ago, he said the philosophy 
of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the government in the next. That's true. We can also modify that to say the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of the culture in the next. If you really want to get to the root of why our culture is running from Christ rather than toward Christ, it's the college campus. And you can be a part of turning that around. So go to ratiochristi.org and click on join. Also, there's some opportunities that we have coming up that you might want to be a part of. If you're anywhere near Dayton, Ohio, coming up here, uh, let's see, that's going to be February 16th and 17th. We're going to do Fearless Faith. That's going to be myself, Greg Kokel, Elisa Childers, Jorge Gill, Phoenix Hayes, John Ferrer. We're going to be talking about some of the hot, taboo cultural issues and how you can address them in a confident way. Go to DaytonApologetics.com if you want to be a part of that. And then just a few days later, I'll be down in Fayetteville, uh, Georgia, not far from where my buddy Jorge lives. And uh, we're going to be at Flat Creek Church doing correct, not politically correct. That's on, That's just south of Atlanta. Uh, on February 20th, go to our website for more. Then a few days after that, going all the way out to Vancouver, actually Chilliwack, British Columbia, for all day Saturday, February 24th. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Sunday, we're going to do at the services, Does Love Require Approval? All the details on our website. Then down in Sarasota, Florida, the great Chip Bennett is putting on, he's a pastor down at Grace Community Church in Sarasota. He's putting on what he's calling Apologetic Con. Go to ApologeticCon.com. That's March 4th. To the 6th, I'll be there as well as Elisa Childers, Chip Bennett, John McRae, Braxton Hunter, David Wood, Michael Jones, and Vocab Malone will all be down there for Apologetic Com. Hope you can join us if you're anywhere near Sarasota, Florida. That's going to be a great time. And then March 9th, the Unshaken Conference. Me, Elisa Childers, Natasha Crane, up near Detroit, Michigan. Go to unshakenconference.com to get tickets to that that's going to be a blast. And right now, this is the last weekend you can probably be a part of the live, or I should say the premium version of Conversations with the Faith, with the Face, uh, run by Dr. Brady Blevins. That's our new online course that'll show you how to reach out to Mormons, to Jehovah's Witnesses, and to Muslims. The class has started, but the first Zoom is until next week, so you can still join it. Go to crossexamine.org, click on online courses. In other words, we got a lot going on, ladies and gentlemen, and a lot of opportunities for you. We need to step up if we're going to try and love our neighbor with the truth of Jesus. And that means you need to get equipped. We need to get we need to equip others. We need to go out there and do what we do. So these are the opportunities we have coming up. So please be a part of of many of the things we mentioned here. And what we're going to talk about on this podcast actually is urban apologetics and the Hebrew Israelites by two folks on our team, Phoenix Hayes and Titus Jones. In fact, uh, Titus Jones has a her own YouTube channel uh, called Miss Titus Jones. You can check it out. So they're going to take the conversation from here. Here's Phoenix and Ty. Here we go. 
Hi, you're listening to the midweek episode of I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. I am Phoenix Hayes, and I am sitting down with my guest, Ty. We have some interesting things to discuss because Ty works both with us at Cross Examined. She's a wonderful asset to our team. We love having her here. But in addition, in her spare time, she creates a lot of fantastic content online. And she's got a unique audience that the cross-examined team hasn't uh, typically had much opportunity to reach. So that's why I'm so excited to bring her on here. So welcome, Ty. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what your your passion points are and who your audience is. Sure, thank you. I'm so excited to even be here. Um, my YouTube channel is called Miss Titus, so that's my my online name. But I focus more on urban apologetics, uh, specifically certain cult groups like the Hebrew Israelites. Um, I've also talked about Freemasonry and fraternal groups on HBCUs. I know that's probably like a strange topic for a lot of people, but yeah. um, I, Hebrew Israelites has kind of been my entry point into apologetics, so I talk about that pretty consistently. Okay. And I, because obviously I follow you online mm-hmm. because we're buds and I, it's so interesting reading the comments that you get back on your content. So first off, I know that as a woman, that already is a trigger point when it comes to speaking out vocally mm-hmm. on the matter of Hebrew Israelites. Mm-hmm. Why is that? And what kind of what kind of pushback and, and, and things do you see in the comments oh, over that? It's horrible. First of all, that particular religion is very misogynistic. So they kind of already don't put a lot of value on women, um, especially women who tell them that they're wrong. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So, you know, they're quick to bring up those Pauline passages about women being silent and how this is why the Bible says that women shouldn't teach. So I get that all the time. It's, it's frustrating but I'm used to it got it yeah that's good I mean honestly this kind of pushback is in a in a way great because Mm -hmm. it really does make you uh educate yourself and Mm -hmm. get ready to defend well am I doing the right thing am Mm -hmm. I speaking against a biblical um uh, requirement and things like that so Mm -hmm. I know that those passages have caused me to do a diaper a diaper (laughs) (laughs) I know that those passages have caused me to do a deeper dive mm-hmm. on um, on women and their role in ministry. Mm-hmm. But for our listeners who have never heard of a Hebrew Israelite, because to me, I'm thinking back to Sunday school, <laughs> Hebrew Israelite, they're the same thing, right? That's that's th- those are the Israelites were Hebrews, and and so so what is this unique group? Tell us all about it, please. Sure. So the Hebrew Israelites are, for the most part, African-Americans who believe that they are the biblical descendants of the Hebrews in the Bible. And they use Deuteronomy 28 as a a proof text or a DNA test um, by comparing the parallels of the transatlantic slave trade to what happened in Deuteronomy 28 with all the curses of you'll be you'll be blessed if you do this but if you don't do this you'll be cursed in the okay. ci- in the city you'll be cursed in the field and so they use those parallels but basically it goes back to um, law keeping so you have a, a group of African Americans and it's not just in America there's other uh, people groups all over the world now who are claiming this same type of theology and they're what holds them together is that they're ethnically dis- ethnically 
descendants from Africa? Like, would, would they... Am I ever going to come across someone who looks white, for example? Actually, depending on which group. So Hebrew Israelite is an umbrella term. So it can be kind of hard to determine what which each specific person believes mm -hmm. um, because you have like of your more radical type. You will see them downtown city areas yelling at people, especially white people. You might see them telling white people to kiss their boots. And some people have actually done it. It's crazy. But those videos are out there. Um, so those types will say, you know, only African-Americans or excuse me, only Hebrews could be saved. But you might see a white person in those camps is what they call those groups. They, they call them camps. Okay. So they really determine it by who is your father. So if, if your father is African-American or pretty much anybody in your family is African-American or Hebrew, then you are a part of the Hebrew descendants. Okay. So really they just want to know, What's your DNA? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. This so it's not if a group you can join. So there's really no point in evangelizing. Correct. Unless you're talking to other people who can trace their DNA back to Africa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even if you look white, but if you say, well, my great, 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 great grandfather was a, a slave, then uh -huh. okay, we can accept you too. We can accept you. the the um, the blessing or the anointment hasn't been watered down. Correct. Too much. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm just understanding mm -hmm. the. The laws of biology and spirituality yeah. here. It's not very consistent. So okay. those are the ones on the street corners. But then you have like um, those who try to mix Hebrew Israelism with Christianity. And they'll say, well, everyone can be saved if you affirm that we are the true Hebrew Israelites. So even if you are mm. not one, you just have to accept that we are. So they understand that whole concept of being grafted in. Yes. The difference is you're not being grafted into the people currently dwelling in Israel. Mm -hmm. Um, and, of course, they're not all living there. They're global, but mm -hmm. I, I get it. Okay. You yeah. can be grafted into the black Hebrew Israelite mm -hmm. community. Okay. And you have to keep the law. Okay. So now we're not really being grafted in in terms of Christianity. You're mm -hmm. being grafted into an old Judaic mm -hmm. religion. So how does that match up with those that merge it with Christianity? It's like they're borrowing the New Testament idea of being grafted in. Yeah. That's the, the old law. So it's like they want to have grace and the law, which a lot of cults do that. They'll try to use grace when it's convenient, because when you look at 613 laws, mm -hmm. you have to recognize, like, I am not keeping all of these. I'm not going to Jerusalem three times a year. Mm -hmm. Some of you guys are Where there's I'm, currently no temple. There's no Minor temple. detail. Right. Yeah. And it just a lot of it doesn't make sense because they have what's called the 12 tribes chart. Okay. So I, I can't remember where it originated, but there's this belief that, okay, African-Americans come from the tribe of Judah and yes. Haitians are the Levites. And I forget where everybody else falls, but I'm like, okay, if you're keeping the law and you need the Haitians to be the priests, like, how are you? How does that work? It doesn't work. Oh, your priests are on an island. Exactly. Oh, right? that's tough. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's not consistent at all. <laughs> at all. Right. Sorry. And as an apologist, that's, that can be infuriating. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so w tell me, what is it that drew you to this particular group? Because, I mean, I, I certainly, I know that you and I both know Monique Dusan, and mm -hmm. she speaks a lot about the critical race theory that's being fed to our African-American community. And then there are others that are just very Pentecostal and not, mm -hmm. they've got the heart and they've got the passion, but they're lacking the roots and the knowledge. So there's lots of areas that someone that is going to, 
potentially be more accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, so for those who can't see the video, Ty is an African-American woman. <laughs> she's a beautiful woman, actually, and she's single. And um, uh, and actually, so that gives her um, an advantage with re- reaching certain people. And um, so what was it that drew you into the Hebrew Israelite community? Interesting story. So I was going to this church several years ago, which in hindsight now I feel like wasn't really a very biblically sound church. But we anyway, that's yeah. another whole story. But uh <laughs> A friend of mine that used to go to that same church basically tried to proselytize me after they had become a member of the Hebrew Israelite movement. Okay. And so we started having debates. Tell, tell, tell our listeners what proselytize means. Uh, they're, they're trying to get me to convert uh, to Hebrew Israelism. <laughs> okay. And so at first I thought it was this person genuinely asking me questions about the faith because I've always been very vocal about my faith online. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, now I realize they were kind of fishing to kind of see like, okay, what do you know about the Bible? What do you really believe? Were they using tactics on you? They were using Hebrew Israelite tactics on me, Phoenix. <laughs> I, yeah, that's exactly what it they were doing. It takes a tactician to recognize a tactician. Yeah. Okay. and I, we would both get frustrated because I know there were times where I'm like, okay, you have to admit I made a good point here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were other times where I had to look at myself and say, I don't think I have this right. I don't, <laughs> I don't have an answer to this question. So that really kind of pushed me into apologetics. Wow. Okay. This was the this was yeah, the religion that, was that launched you into apologetics. Yeah, because prior to that, I had like a word of faith background. Uh-huh. You know, like again, a lot of people who meant well taught me some truths in the Bible and also taught me some unbiblical things. I get it. I'm I'm there too. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of I realized like how I look at the Bible is kind of jacked up a little bit, and I, I gotta fix that. So. I'm grateful for it. Um, I learned a lot about that particular belief system because of that, but that's ultimately how I got into apologetics and how I learned about Hebrew Israelism. Okay. (laughs) And then what I also find interesting about this is you talk about urban apologetics. Mm -hmm. So how is Hebrew Israelites tied to urban apologetics? And actually, let's let's back up a bit. Mm -hmm. What is urban apologetics and how does that look different from just apologetics. Sure, yeah. Urban apologetics deals with inner city cults or inner city issues. So Hebrew Israelites, you know, again, they're on street corners yelling at people. But there's a lot of different um, issues that are going on in our urban cities. People have questions on social justice. People have questions about, like, the black community and how Christianity is, like, does this worldview, does this religion have anything for me? Because all I see is it as a white man's religion. So mm-hmm. I don't want to be a Christian because that's that's for white people. Jesus was white. So you're answering those types of questions. And um, a lot of a lot of African-Americans are getting to African spirituality and Egyptology and all different types of things. So when you're talking about urban apologetics, a lot of times it's it's those types of issues. Wow. OK, so it's just it's. It's just fascinating to me. I'm. It's not my world. I am the white woman living out in the suburbs that loves <laughs> apologetics, and I'm dealing with white people who think they're too smart and they're atheist or they've figured out a brand of Christianity that works perfectly mm-hmm. for them. So this is so refreshing and interesting to hear. Um, because I'm glad you said that because you did ask for the, the difference between urban apologetics and classical apologetics. Yeah. So classical is more so like, you know, proving to people that God exists. Right. What we're finding is that 
millennials, that's my age group, millennials and, and younger aren't really asking if God exists, at least in the black community. Sure. We're asking different questions like, is that God the one that exists? Because maybe the black woman is God. Maybe the black man is God. So it's not... Th- the supernatural thing they really don't have an issue with because uh-huh. I, a lot of people are finding their identity on the continent of Africa, even though the Hebrew Israelites are finding it <laughs> back in, in Israel, in, in Israel. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it's like, well, if, if my ancestors followed this religion, then that's the true religion. Right. Yeah. And that's so interesting because of course there's years and years of um, a precious people group that feel disconnected from those roots. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so that's so interesting that they're looking back to see what they lost when really, I mean, those are the places that we were sending white missionaries mm-hmm. to try and help. But so it, it seems to be tied. These different spiritual practices seem to be very closely linked to searching for identity and mm-hmm. roots again yeah. after having those taken from them. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you mentioned that Hebrew Israelites in particular – Um, they're particularly found in urban centers. Mm -hmm. Where do you find, like, would you say that they've got a particular target demographic they're going after? Like, who are they having the most success with when it comes to recruiting, let's say, or proselytizing? It's very attractive to young black men, really just black men in general, specifically those who come out of churches that probably didn't really um, have really good doctrine. So mm-hmm. a lot of them, like they, they have a, a hunger and a thirst for the Bible mm-hmm. and like this masculinity because, you know, a lot of churches do kind of soften it right down. Yeah, it, it yeah. doesn't feel in most churches are mostly women. So mm-hmm. I think having a tribe so to speak and, and strong men mm-hmm. who have also recaptured what what they think they've recaptured an identity yeah and and seeing a church that's not just about encouragement all the time and inspirational speeches all the time like what does the bible actually say so i think some of the things that they want are good yeah. but they're using a false religion to scratch that itch so to speak yeah yeah what do they do so you mentioned deuteronomy and the fact that there's talk you know talk about curses on my on the chosen people and so they use that as Mm -hmm. therefore transatlantic slave because apparently they're the only people who have ever been put through slavery oh Uh, you know know. they would acknowledge other people have been through slavery but no one has had it as bad as the transatlantic slaves which i mean it was it's awful of course no one no no one's saying it wasn't awful no horrible awful awful and horrible but by what (laughs) bar are they measuring slavery globally through the history of humanity to compare that's a good question um, and they they really belittle, I think, what has happened to the Jews. I mean, obviously in prison. There day, we go. In the hol- yeah. Like, I, I don't think I've really ever heard them address the Holocaust. It's like, oh, yeah, but the the transatlantic slave trade, that's what we need to be remembering. That's, that was the biggest crime. Yes. Which is, interestingly, fair, still fairly recent. I yeah. mean, I know people don't think it's recent, but it's recent. Yeah. It's recent. Um, that's interesting that you mentioned the Jewish people. What is the general attitude among the Hebrew Israelites toward the Jewish people? I would say anti-Semitic. They believe that the Jews stole their identity. So all the things that we should have, we don't have it because they took it from us. So then I suppose, and 
you're not the one that has to defend this, but my question would be, and maybe you've asked them, um, if God bestowed the blessing, how does man steal it? Oh, that's a good question. But their their whole I- identity is based on the fact that they're cursed. So <laughs> it's like yeah. a blessing and a curse in the same. Okay, yeah. so the so that would make the Israelite people as stealing the credibility, like the the props of being quote unquote mm-hmm. chosen people, but because they're not as cursed, mm-hmm. whatever that means, as yeah, like we've African had it worse community. than everybody, and it just it doesn't really make sense because. They they really ignore a lot of sound theology. They don't believe in the Trinity. They hate the Trinity, which okay. most cults do, of course. Okay. Jesus to them really doesn't even he's like a means to an end. Like we're yeah, what doing What is Jesus to them? Jesus to them is the the Messiah, a lot of them would say. And again, this depends on which type of Hebrew Israelite you're talking about. Like some would say I think that he's the savior and all that. Uh-huh. But if we're talking about radical one West Hebrew Israelism, Jesus is just the the one who's going to lead us in destroying white people in the kingdom and making them our servants. Okay, so you've got a, a contradiction of I don't like classical Christianity as it's presented by white America mm-hmm. because it's the white man's religion. Yeah. But now the Messiah who's not white? Question mark oh. is going to save them and defeat the white man. Revelation one shows that he's black, Phoenix. Oh, Revelation Remember, one. Tell me more about this. He's got feet that are what's his feet is bronze. His his hair is white, or it's wool. It's like wool. So they'll use it. Oh, and wool is therefore black wool. Yes. So oh, yeah. they totally misread Revelation one as a proof text that Jesus is white, or excuse me, Jesus is black. Jesus is black. So yeah, the Messiah is definitely black to them, but they and they don't like the name Jesus. Okay, what would they call him? It depends. Some would say Yahweh Shai. Some would say Yahusha. So, and they even have like their own language depending on, I forget what it's called, uh, Lashawan Kadash. Oh my goodness, that Mm -hmm. sounds like Dr. Zeus. Lashawan Kadash. I've I've actually seen a video of two Hebrew Israelites getting pulled over in a police car and they start speaking Lashawan Kadash like... (laughs) I guess as a way to like pray that this doesn't end bad, and it, it was a very bad traffic stop. But yeah, they've got their own language. They they and where use, does that is it like it's derived from ancient Hebrew? Or I don't remember. I would have to do some research on the origins of that. But yeah, you're my go-to expert. You are the voice of all <laughs> oh, no, Hebrew Israelites. I have to give right credit now. to where it's due because there's a lot of people who um who've been researching Hebrew Israelism and know way more about it than I do. But Vocab Malone, I think, was one of the first ones to write a book on it. Okay. So if anyone wants to know more about it, like that's a great place to start. Do you know that? Can you remember the name of the book? It's called Barack Obama versus the Hebrew Israelites. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. We'll yeah. make sure that these are linked in the description of the podcast. Yeah. Can you recommend any others that um, it doesn't even have to be specifically about the Hebrew Israelites, but that's just been a great resource to you? With- yeah. For, for Urban Apologetics, yeah. there's actually a book that's called Urban Apologetics. It was edited by um, Dr. Eric Mason and and there's a chapter in there on Hebrew Israelism, the nation of Islam, um, atheism in the black community, um, African spirituality, Kemeticism, all these things that if you're if you're an African-American, you probably are talking to your friends about these types of things. Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I want I want more of this content. I want more of this information mm-hmm. because uh, he uh 
Ty and I actually attend the same church, and mm-hmm. it's a church that's been very intentional about being diverse in the sense mm-hmm. that it's not simply a white church that invites black people to attend. Mm-hmm. We want it to be a God's church where everybody, regardless of your color, your culture, your background, mm-hmm. feels at home there. Yeah. And that's been a very interesting process as, honestly, as the white people I'm one of the white people there, obviously, think they're doing this great job to accommodate and make people feel welcome and to actually just shut up and listen for a little bit and find out, oh, actually, no, there's a couple of things we've, we're not, we're not hitting that, that they're, that, um, a black person might be more used to seeing in a church setting. And that's been, that's been so valuable. But I, I say all that because of course, our church is also very vocal on apologetics, mm-hmm. and most of the time, I've actually I, at one of our home groups, one of um, you know my black sisters says, "Well, I don't know much about apologetics because I'm black," mm-hmm. and I remember looking at her thinking, "I don't understand the connection. What? Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Because you're black? I get that lots of people haven't heard about apologetics, yeah. so I, I, I want I'm yeah. That's why do you think she would say something like that? I don't why she would say that because really like urban apologetics over the last few years to me just seems like it's kind of like people realize that we can't just rely on the bible says this the bible says that even though the bible is true like i believe in inerrancy yeah but there are so many conversations you have to have before you can even get to someone acknowledging like that the bible is is a book that we can see truth in yeah for those who couldn't pick up on this we're not presuppositionless <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So and it's amazing because if you look at the black church, like African-Americans are the most religious. We're the most Protestant. Like we love the church. We love Christianity. And 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 the worship that you see, Mm. um, even when slavery was active and the community built around that, it's just so rich and beautiful. Yeah. Black church history is amazing. I've been reading a couple books on that, but we're just having to battle things I don't think we have always had to prepare for. Uh-huh. And so now that people are starting to wake up like, oh, prosperity gospel, it doesn't really quite work, does it? Like, right. if I give all my money away, I'm still broke and the pastor still has all the money. Like, I don't think that that's actually the truth. What's the truth? Yeah. And so now that you have this exodus of black men who are yelling at you on the side of the street and you're like, having to really go back and learn, okay, what does my Bible say? But again, this is not just a black church problem. This is just a church problem. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of us are, like, realizing we have to have answers to these questions. I think it's Jerome Gay. I hear him say this all the time. He says we have to have fact-based answers to fact-based questions, not faith-based answers to fact-based questions. That's good. I think that's a really good, like, way to look at it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So besides, of course, Dr. Frank Turek, uh, who are you listening to? Who do you (laughs) find? Because I I feel like every time I talk to you, you're just consuming some Mm -hmm. new, I mean, (laughs) you're just absorbing everything right now. So for people who want to dig in a little bit deeper to this and, and, and where are you getting fed? Can you share any of those? Oh, I'm such a dork. Okay, so I love R.I.P. Dr. Michael Heiser. Oh, yeah. Unseen yeah. Realm was like pivotal in like me getting into apologetics. But honestly, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. It's a good one. We'll oh. give it credit. 
I have to. I have to. I feel like I learned the rules We're of logic right I now. I promise I'm saying this because I it was one of the first apologetics books that I read. And I was just like, oh, man, this makes so much sense. These are like just this is common sense. Hmm. Why didn't I learn this? Um, so Michael Heiser, Frank Turk, Greg Kokel. Um, again, that urban apologetics book is amazing. And who was the author again? That Eric Mason is the main Eric editor, mm-hmm. but um, there are some hard hitters on there. Damon Richardson, he used to be in the Nation of Islam, so he tells his he like he was <laughs> pro NOI like to the T, right? Wow. But was radically saved. But he had a journey from oneness Pentecostalism, or maybe not Pentecostal. He was a oneness, so he did not believe in the Trinity even after converting to his that version of Christianity. Mm-hmm. But then now he's like a radical Trinitarian too. So like to go from NOI to that so his chapter on NOI is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um so Eric Mason wrote the the chapter on the Hebrew Israelites. Oh ooh, there's so many other Vince Bantu, his article or his chapter on Kemeticism, which is the Egyptology type wow. stuff. Yeah. That's super important because for our this, the last few years there's been different channels that really hyped up, you know, the black man is God, black woman is God, all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and a lot of our celebrities endorsing this kind mm-hmm. of idea too, right? Oh yeah, I know Beyonce's Beyonce. tied into it. Yeah. So yeah, the CIA <laughs> going to just drop that one yeah, CIA please. conference um, yeah. where you can learn how to present better up your presentation Which skills. Which is going to be held in Charlotte next summer, 2024. Mm-hmm. So keep your ears oh, out for that. Awesome. Yeah. So I've now been a student of that twice. And it's so helpful, but so this past CIA, um, I did a presentation on urban apologetics and why it's needed, and I just talked a little bit about Beyonce and how she's kind of using her music to um, to promote African spirituality. Okay. So that sounds so generic. Is does that have a specific meaning, or is that as vague as it sounds? African sp- spirituality. She okay. So what's really becoming very popular is the Yoruba. Okay. religion or Ifa, and I'm still learning about this as well I don't want to present myself as like a an expert but um this idea of the Orishas so they have their own pantheon of gods and so Beyonce has oh I want to say it's Yemaya is one of the African gods of the Yoruba tradition okay but it's it's witchcraft so okay let's just call it what it is I mean and they would say that you know like there's there's a, a witch on YouTube I've been watching some of her videos just to kind of get an idea of the worldview but they blatantly are pro witch okay <laughs> pro pro witchcraft now so yeah so and what does that mean to them is it is it tapping into satanism or is it more tapping into just your own internal power what does that mean it feels to like it's kind of like a buffet like i'll take a little piece of this a little piece oh, of that how, so how chakras and setting up altars um sarita lyons writes about this in the urban apologetics book because she was caught up in that in college okay so like she would take food to the ocean to sacrifice like a bread cake or something like that to her deity wow so yeah it's it's a little it's ancestor worship and witchcraft wow that's Mm -hmm. so interesting ty this has been such an interesting conversation Mm -hmm. thanks so much for joining us for those of you who are listening this is the i don't have enough faith to be an atheist midweek podcast um check out the links in the description we're going to uh, give as many resources as possible if you're interested in learning more about this area of apologetics that is really underserved and i am i'm excited to shine a light on it shine a light on ty Uh, you'll see her social media links in the description to follow her 
and just support her, encourage her, because honestly, she's she's out there alone a lot, <laughs> speaking to a community that do not care what I have to say. So, you know, God puts us where he needs us mm-hmm. and we want to support her. So thanks so much, Ty. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, we'll talk to you next week.